and welcome to the Balanced Body Podcast. I'm Ashley Mazurik, and I appreciate you being here with me today and talking about uh, children, children's behavior, redirecting children, becoming a better parent, being able to create a paradigm shift and work outside of our previous experience and values as a child to now becoming a parent. These are all uh, reasons that I chose to talk about this today, and mainly because we're, if you have kids, you're home with your kids more now, and it, it's caused me to kind of go back to my uh, literature and my information and give me grace, give me courage, uh, because our kids are home more, and we are having to make a tremendous shift in our lives to, to accommodate. And so for five years, I uh, took a redirecting children's behavior class and absolutely fell in love with this class. And it helped me become a better parent. And, you know, when you become a better parent, you, you, uh, you feel better about yourself and there is no handbook to having children. And for me, because I am an education and I love to educate myself. And I also am a visual kinesthetic type individual class was better than the books that I had been reading and they were very helpful. Um, the workbook that I'll be working off of and reading from is by Catherine Cavals, which is K-V-O-L-S, and I love her information. It's super helpful. And, you know, again, because I've got a little bit of ADD in myself, it won't be really long. This will be many, many segments. I mean, not many, many, that's exaggerating. There'll be many segments on the topic of children and redirecting behavior. And here's another big reason. As I started taking this class more and more, I realized how much it actually helped me to work with people, to work with adults, because I don't know if anyone is aware, but psychologically, uh, the average person is about 11 to 12, year, 12 years old, mentally, emotionally. So this class was amazingly appropriate for not only helping me at home with kids, but also helping me within my business and working with adults. So with that being said, another positive and reason that I decided to talk about this is because there's not one person this can't help, honestly and truly. So I'm gonna start out with a quote by the amazing Mother Teresa. And she says, everybody today seems to be in such a terrible rush anxious for greater developments and greater riches and so on, so that children have very little time for their parents. Parents have very little time for each other. And in the home begins the disruption of the peace of the world. So, you know, hopefully, at least from my experience, I uh, wouldn't say I had the best upbringing that I chose to emulate. That's why it was so important that I be on the uh, role of learning and educating so that I could make a paradigm shift and change from the way I was taught, which, you know, you, you learn 
to be based off of what you've experienced. And I didn't want to be a parent like I had experienced my parents being. Nothing bad about that. It just, I don't, autocratic way of, of bringing up kids is not my cup of tea. So I, I know that belief systems are deeply ingrained in us, our families, schools, churches, as well as professional and personal friends have an effect on us and help us shape, shape these paradigms that we have. We interpret the world as we have been conditioned to see it. It's not as the world truly is, but as we are. So I believe in making that sh shift. We move from one way of seeing the world to another. So we move from viewing children's behavior, which is my main task for today, as old theory, as bad, to a new belief that the child is essentially discouraged. That discouragement is being displayed in their actual behavior. And if you watch children, which one, that's one of the things that I really loved doing was watching uh, my kids as they did things and I was able to really understand why they did what they did and was able to be more empathetic uh, and the prerequisite to that was being balanced <laughs> because it's hard to do that when you're stressed and it's hard to do that when you're really busy. So misbehavior is your child's trying to actually communicate something to you. So some myths, some old beliefs are that children misbehave because they only want attention, that they're stubborn, stubborn, they're spoiled, uh, they're selfish or self-centered, that they're inconsiderate, uh, that they're just like their mother and father, which I laugh about because I have said that before, that they can't help it, that they have bad genes, or that the spouse um, and, and I or the parents say that they're bad parents and that is why the children misbehave. So there's a common belief by uh, this particular author and this particular workup, Karen Cavalls, that children need the four C's and those four C's are they, they need connection, they need to be capable, they need to have someone they can count on, and they need courage. So that's something that we can help and uh, concentrate on when it comes to seeing and creating a new belief system about children. The conclusion can often be um, misbelieved as thinking that a misbehaved child is a bad child which means that you're a bad parent and that parents seem to think that they control or they need to manipulate the child's behavior or otherwise they perceive themselves as bad. So something that I would encourage as a new belief system is that children misbehave because they need to belong, that they need to feel loved, that they need to feel powerful, they need to feel val to be uh, feel of value or valuable. They need to feel like they have a place, 
and they need to experience and explore and experiment. So that conclusion and new belief system is a misbehaving, misbehaving child is a child who is communicating, communicating something to you and they're doing it any way they can to get your attention. And it's unfortunate that because um, I experienced this with my stepson, that he, because we didn't get him till he was seven, he learned to believe, he learned that bad attention was the only and the best attention to get. So he would do bad things and very difficult. It's a, it's a, interesting way to live because you don't understand why a child will continue to do bad things when, but it's about the parent trying to switch that up. And, you know, because I have a nonverbal um, stepson, it's very difficult because my daughter is extremely communicative and I'm able to communicate and understand what's going on in her head. But you, when you don't have the ability to understand and have that communication, you have to rely on your intuition, which is exactly what I've had to do. And also um, just watch and see patterns and the patterns still are able to tell the story. So the next thing that we're gonna talk about is GEMS, G-E-M-S or Genuine Encounter Moments because children come to the parents to connect. It's almost as if their little gas tanks needed to be replenished or need to be several, several times a day. And a gem is a brief encounter with your child that fills up their little tank and creates connection and love. This is a time to be in awe and admire the little miracle that we have in front of us, these children they are. When their tank is full, then they happily go off, experience, experiment, and, and play with other children. Children need to be, and they need to feel connected. They don't feel connected in homes, churches, schools, or their communities. They oftentimes end up connecting with drugs, gangs, using sex or um, inappropriate use of the internet. And uh, there's a quote by Louise Bates Ames that says, in the final analysis, it is your relationship with your child even more than techniques that get you smoothly through your day. So if you can't give your child a gym at the moment, it's humanly impossible to do this every time your child needs it. Just acknowledge the child's request, acknowledgement. That's what they need, validation. They, they really know, need that. And again, I'm not preaching because I am the expert. I am preaching this for myself and um, love the information as I am on the same journey as you. So request and give a time frame when you're able to provide that gem for your child. And that, I, I, of course, I've experienced doing these things in these 
books and um, manuals and workbooks, and it works. It absolutely works. It um, makes sure you, the most important thing is not only do you like the set the time schedule, let them know that they're going to get validated, but you have to keep your word. It's so important. Um, and I think that an example I feel like from my own experience um, with being around people with kids, when you constantly get that, I don't know if you've ever been on a phone call with somebody and you hear their child in the background and, or if you're at a party or you're with somebody and you, you experience the child saying their parent, like mommy, 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 like a hundred times. That is a child who in, in my, this is a judgment. It's my opinion. I'm not that it's true that this is a child that desperately wants connection and doesn't get it and hasn't been validated and doesn't feel like it's going to get it. In other words, um, so what we would offer in that situation, at least um, what the author teaches, is in a situation, especially when you're on a phone call, is just putting your finger up and pausing the conversation and letting that child know as soon as I get off the phone. In other words, creating boundaries, basically, um, to let that know that child know that mommy is busy and will attend to them to create connection as soon as, and that then happens. And then they have the confidence going forward that they um, can trust your word and that you will do that for them. And so with teenagers, as what I have, they often come, times come less and less for their gems. Absolutely. When they were, when they were younger, there was a, gems needed all the time. But now that they're older, they're a little bit more self-sufficient and need less gems, which for me, whenever they need a gem, I feel like I have to stop everything to, to create and give it because it's few and far between. So several times, several times a day, children need gems. And here are some steps for giving gems, gems meaning genuine encounter moments, which create connection, which um, are part of our C's, keeping them capable, uh, giving them someone they can count on and allowing for courage. So first step, first step would be removing anything from distracting you so that you can be one-on-one -on -one and this child have your utmost uh, attention. Interact at the child's level, specifically their eye level. Uh, make friendly eye contact, uh, lovingly touch if you can, give 100% focused attention, and respond from your heart, not your head. And so those are, um, those are the gems. And, and now we'll move on to, I read a book years ago called The Pecking Order by Dalton Conley interesting um and it the tagline was which siblings succeed and why um recommend it it's not the best book i ever read but it's interesting to read about pecking order i grew up with a household of two siblings i was the middle so it's really interesting to see how birth order is affects 
uh, child behavior. And so I'm going to go over these really cool statistics on birth order before we end this call for today. So friendly facts. Uh, so the first child, uh, the first child typically takes responsibility for other siblings. True that. Uh, the first child gets along well with authority figures. And I would, I would say, depending on the relationship with the parents, that could be incorrect. So uh, the first child is likely to become a high achiever. And remember that um, when I read it, I read in the pecking order, actually, when there is a five-year spread of age difference, like for instance, my stepson is five years difference from um, my first child, my child, only child. And so when that is present, the second in the order is actually, because of the five years, actually becomes and creates first year um, characteristics or first child characteristics. And that was something that my teacher uh, during this um, six weeks class um, also reiterated. Uh, the first child needs to feel right, perfect, and superior, for sure. So what you can do with this first child is avoid pressuring to succeed 100%. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things that we have said many times to um, my 13, 13, almost 14 year old, just when, because she's a cheerleader and we go to competitions and we watch uh, higher level teams, we always say to her, boy, you could easily do that. Or you're on your way to doing that same thing. Or if you wanted to be on a level five, level six team, um, you, there's no doubt in our minds that you could succeed at that. And she gets mad, which kind of is like, what, what are we doing wrong? We're just, we're, we're creating confidence in her. We're telling her we believe in her. But when I actually like meditated and thought about it and thought about it from a kid's perspective, what I was sharing with my partner was the reason I feel like she was upset with us and saying that was that actually felt like pressure to her because she is this first child and um, has this characteristic of needing to feel perfect and superior. And part of that, part of a child is they always want their, their parents to be proud of them. Everything is about being proud of them. And not only we do we need to say it a hundred times a day, <laughs> but they need to feel it. And so when, when you, when we said those things, it made her feel like that was something that she had to accomplish or be in order for us to be proud of her, which, yeah, it's interesting how the child's minds think. Um, so yeah, it, it, what we think doesn't always, is not always perceived from them the same way. So what we can do for first child is to encourage the fun of participating, not the goal of winning. Teach that mistakes are for learning, big one, uh, especially with first children because they have this sense of being perfect. And so when they make mistakes, 
you can be very nonchalant about it, but they are devastated by it. And it's because of this perfectionism, because of the superior, superior uh, characteristic that they hold. Show how to be gentle with yourself when accepting failure. And one of the things that I, um, how I did this uh, to show was whenever I made mistakes or whenever I had a failure in my life, I shared it with her. And I shared not only to help me and to make it a teaching point, but it was me telling myself, you know, to be forgiving and to be gentle with myself and to see what lesson. And I would tell her, this is the lesson I learned from this. And it's, doesn't make me happy. It doesn't, it doesn't um, change. I, it's going to take me a little bit of time to not feel sad, but at the end of the day, I have to have faith and trust that I learned something from a failure and we have to fail to succeed. And I know that the what's yet to come is success. So sharing, having conversations with your children and, and not thinking that they're not capable of understanding um, that I think that's a, if I were to share uh, one of the things that I am good at as a parent, it's that is, is it is believing that my child is not less than me is not this little, little child that should be, uh, that should respect and listen to everything I say, um, that we respect each other equally and that we are equals. And I, re I respect her opinion. And I, uh, also feel like she's one of my greatest teachers. So, um, next, the only child, if you're an only child, typically the characteristics of an only child are used to being the center of attention, compare self to parents since they have no siblings, may feel incompetent compared to others, are likely to be very responsible. Uh, also, only children often refuse to cooperate if if they fail to get their own way. So what can we do about this? We can provide learning opportunities with other children. We can encourage visiting friends and uh, we can have them spend the, have spend the night company or they spend the night or their friends spend the night over and uh, use childcare in nursery schools. Because, uh, my daughter was an only child for seven years. Uh, she sorts of she fits into these characteristics as well. Her brother didn't come live with us full time until she was seven years old, and then she became a sibling. Uh, and you know, because her older brother is um, just not like a regular sibling, I could say, because he's nonverbal and he has special needs, um, as she would say as well. She, uh, when I looked at these characteristics, she very much fits into them. So very helpful. Uh, and I, I did um, follow these as well, those tips. Now, a second child. Second child is under five years apart. So second child characteristics are they may try to catch up with older child's competence, I've seen that, may try to be older child's opposite. In other words, whatever the, the older sibling does, they will do the complete opposite to get attention or love or connection. They may rebel 
in order to find their own place. And oftentimes, unfortunately, we've learned that's because parents tend to compare. Um, what we can do with second children suggestions are to encourage uniqueness, avoid comparisons with the eldest, allow for second child to handle their own conflicts with the eldest and to not interfere, which is, can be challenging sometimes. Okay, so the second child, now we move on to the middle child. And so I'm a middle child, so I can, I, I like reading and seeing if these uh, resonate. They, middle child may feel crowded out, unsure of position, may be sensitive, bitter, or revengeful, may be a good diplomat or mediator. I would say, yes, that is very true. May feel like life is unfair. So what you can do, make time for one-on-one -on -one activities with each child. Include the middle child in family functions and um, the suggestion for middle, and I would, I would say this is a suggestion for all children, is to always ask for their opinion. So there's a mutual respect, respect that starts to grow. And lastly, before we end, uh, in birth order, the youngest child. Often over pampered by parents and older children, often shielded from conflicts, often self-indulgent, often engaging. So what can we do? Teach independence. Don't rescue from conflicts. Don't refer as the baby. Encourage self-reliance and allow this child to lead activities even though it's the youngest. So if you feel like this would be helpful, this information, I would encourage you to share and spread the, the knowledge. We're gonna, this is a uh, part series. Uh, there's a lot of information I'd love to share that talks about, our, the next one talks about how to deal with fights and win-win negotiations, which like I said, is very helpful in the adult world as well. And then um, the different types of punishment and nurturement. These are, these are future podcasts that I'll be talking about that I feel like is good to reiterate um, once again, because we've got kids at home, there are kids at home, because maybe we're going to be parents one day, or maybe we can learn more about our adult relationships and understanding. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate your time and energy and your love, uh, your love in the fact that when I see the people are listening, it's a loving connection that I am most grateful for, that you still care to hear what I have to say. I'm super grateful. Have a great rest of your day. And until next time.